0: I've lived a thousand lives. I've a
1: thousand i another role.
0: This is the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. And welcome to Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, Season 32, Episode 17. I think I might have said the wrong episode number last week, but we were at the con, so that's understandable. That was a live con episode, and it's a little wild, always. My name is Kimmy. I'm Jason. Already off on tangents. All right, doing great. In today's episode, Eric from New Jersey asks if TTRPGs can be therapeutic. And Thomas from Denmark revisits a topic about teenage gamers. Um, And that one's a long one, so we only have two emails for tonight. If you'd like to contribute a question or story to the show, email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Please send in emails. Um, We might start having to do more episodes where there's only two emails because we're running kind of (laughs) short. Announcements. Game Days is September 23rd. That is our Discord come play games with our community day. We try and have one like every other month. It sort of has ended up like almost every month because people are just like, let's do it again, which I'm great. You can come run or play games for our Discord community. It's completely free, and all types of games are welcome. Safety tools are always required, too, so it's a very great, safe environment, and there's always like a wild menu of games to choose from. It's very, very cool. So did you go there, go to happyjacks.org Discord, and you can join our amazing Discord if you're not already there. Again, that's September 23rd, literally all day. We have a bunch of different time zones, so it's Depending on where you are, it might bleed into the day before, the day after. It's generally, it's around that day. That date is more general guideline. Guidelines than actual rules. That's that's the quote. Got it. Yeah, I got there eventually. And also, Big Bag Con is September 28th through October 1st. A bunch of the hosts are going. I know a bunch of community members are going. If you're going to be at Big Bag Con, come say hi. We're not doing a live show because it's the first time a bunch of us have ever gone to that and it's very stressful to bring all the podcast equipment especially to a con that most of us are flying to. So maybe next year we'll record live. We'll see. We're going to check out the the lay of the land or lay of the hotel as it were and uh, get our bearings and then we'll see what we're going to do. I do think we're going to have some sort of little something to give to people. I don't know. We'll figure it out. So I'm very excited about that, I'm a little nervous. It's going to be a lot of my Twitter mutuals there. It's going to be like this is what you are in person. Yeah. Okay, cool.
1: It is really fun, though. It's I, I mean, I went the year before. I think I went in 2019 mm-hmm. and then COVID. Yeah. And I didn't do any of the online ones because I hardly knew the people there. You know, like I went once, loved it, had an amazing time. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to going back.
0: Yeah. yeah, I'm excited. Most of I I'm running two like games that people are signing up for. I think both of them are mostly filled. I know that most recent sign up started about 45 minutes ago. So maybe they're full by now. I don't know. And then I'm running a bunch at Games on Demand.
1: I haven't signed up for anything. You should do that. Well, (laughs) Or Games on Demand.
0: Yeah, or Games on Demand. That's the other thing is I'm running a bunch of stuff at Games on Demand. So that's very exciting. Okay, that's for our, our announcements for this week. Oh, also, if you're on the Patreon, I have now put out both newsletters that I owe you. So did one for last month. I've already done the September one. I'm like rolling with that. It's very exciting. I am trying to set up a second Patreon-only feed for the rewards there. I don't, I don't know if they'll let me do that. I've suddenly run into some settings issues and permissions issues, but I'll figure something out. So for those of you who want the nerding out and also the wrap-up audio as like a podcast rather than just watching on YouTube, I'm trying to figure that out. Give me mm. time. But Patreon mostly is like, you get one feed for your for your minions. Yeah.
1: Is, a- is the Pinnacle Season 1 up there?
0: It is not yet because I'm, I was waiting because I'm trying to figure out if I could do that. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. Okay. So, and I, I mean, like, hurry up. Just, oh, no, no. Just curious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I'm seeing if I can add it. I have one feed that's for that has the whole backlog on it. And then different supporters have different access to different parts of the backlog. I'm, if worse comes to worse, I can just add it to that as like a separate title or something. And it'd just be part of that feed. I don't know. We'll figure it out. It'll be great. Cool. Okay, cool. Indie designer of the month. It's September. That was me rude. faking being exciting because yeah. I'm a
1: teacher. And rude. That's, September's I mean. very rude.
0: So we have a new indie designer of the month. Cesar Capical is a Brazilian game designer, graphic designer, architect, and musician. And that's just too much coolness for one person. I yeah, don't think that's, that's allowed. Ridiculous. Also rude. Also rude. Many things are rude.
1: Yeah.
0: You can find his work at quirky.games, which is takes you to like kind of like it's a link tree. There's another name for it, though. And then it takes you to all the different places he is on the internet. And you can find him at Capical on Twitter. That's C-A-P-A-C-L-E. They're also Capical on Blue Sky, but it's like Capical dot Blue Sky. Yeah, yeah, the thing.
1: I want to like Blue Sky, and I just don't know how yet.
0: Yeah, yeah. just finding people is still a little hard. Yeah. The game we're going to feature of his this week is a sports ball game. It's very exciting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's called Two Minute Warning. It's a narrative card game designed to capture the raw emotion and drama of the final moments of a championship football game. Now, it's designed to be American football, but it can work with, like, what we call soccer, also football, or anything sort of in that vein. But it's specifically designed for football americano. Here, numbers fade into the backdrop. Points, yards, or seconds are abstracted with cards. The mechanics are a vehicle for storytelling for evocative moments of decision-making, tension, and glory. You transport yourself into the cleats of the players, facing intense choices, responding to challenges, and vying for ultimate success. You live their passion, their doubts, their hopes, immersed in the storytelling, making choices, and experiencing the heart-thumping climax, my, of a game mm-hmm. where every moment can be the decisive one. And it's designed for solo or group play, which I thought was super, super cool. And this unique experience takes less than an hour, allowing you to dive right into the action.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is a game with receivers, tight ends, and snappers. So anything could happen.
0: Nothing, everything could happen.
1: <laughs>
0: you can find it at Kepical.itch.io. It is usually at 1490 is the price. Um, right now it's on sale for eleven ninety-two. The cool thing about it, and I've actually never seen this on an itch sale before. First off, like the booklet's beautiful. It's made to look like a sports magazine. Oh cool. Like full color, you flip it and it looks like you're looking through like sports illustrated or something. It's really beautiful. But also, there are options there to order at cost, like print versions of it, which I didn't know you could figure out how to do that through itch. So now I have to figure out how to do that. Huh. But so you can you can get a, a like a print on
1: demand, print, yeah, it's print oh, on demand, cool. but
0: for cost, like yeah. so you pay that and then you have access for the at cost. There's also cards that can help you play. You don't have to like there's like the custom cards you can play with regular cards too. Hmm. But there's like a whole menu of all this different stuff. There you could also get access to a virtual tabletop for it which is awesome. Like there's just like a really great thing which I might have to steal for my future Mm itch.io listings because it's a very cool layout. you get a lot for for that 11 or 14 bucks.
1: That's cool. Yeah, I'm going to look into that model too.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really neat. So yeah, I was very excited to he has so many different games but I would just the first one is like oh, his most recent it's a sports ball one. it's football. Okay. I feel like we talk a lot about like space and fantasy and like people tend to like write games like that. It's like real sports ttrpgs are kind of rare.
1: Yeah. And well cuz a lot of the ones that come out are bad. Yeah. And they're they need some massaging and like I think this is a really good entry into that.
0: Yeah, I I'm super interested to to play. I ordered it, but I didn't have time. I haven't had time to read yeah. through it because yeah, I, I ordered to, it like an hour before I printed this. Yeah, I need to
1: play it too. It yeah. Looks cool though.
0: It looks re- it's beautiful too. I just it was like at first I thought it was just like stock art like oh it's like mm. a picture of a of like like a sports magazine to get you. Oh, that's that's the PDF. Oh, that's beautiful. Because it's got like the gif of the pages turning. Oh, nice. It's just like, wow. Okay, I have to, I have to up my itch game. Cool. Very cool. Thanks, Cesar. So yeah. Again, you can find his stuff at quirky.games. And yeah, super cool. You'll hear more next week. All right. Email number one. Mailbag number one.
1: Shall I start us off? Do it. All right. We'll, we'll be splitting email two. Several times. Yeah, yeah. So. It's verbose. Hello, Kimmy and the Happy Jacks crew. Hello. It's Eric from New Jersey, ready to get into stuff that may be TMI, but oh well. So TMI (laughs) B-O-W. Yeah. There was a call for emails. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have been talking to my therapist about gaming recently, and I wasn't quite sure as to what he would think about it. Turns out he is very supportive of my hobby, stating that RPGs are a safe space to explore feelings. Much like exploring emotions, like crying at a sad movie, just more immersive. So my question for whomever is hosting is as follows. Have you ever found RPGs, either tabletop or LARP, to be therapeutic? If so, what was the moment of gaming revelation for you in this instance? Please keep in mind I'm not suggesting that RPGs should replace good therapy or medicine. Just that they help. Have a drink, roll some dice, and above all, keep being kind. Take care. Mugs held high, Eric from New Jersey. Huzzah. Yes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Both ways, though. Like, I've also had moments where, like, game emotion bleed, like, bled into real life in yeah. ways that were sometimes hard to deal with. Yeah. So I think while it can be a great immersive experience, you have to be aware of that, too.
1: Sure. And for those who don't know, like, game bleed is usually referring to if you're character clashes with another character in the story and you come away having feelings at the other player because well they are ultimately in charge of their character that feeling of bleed is the idea that it didn't all stay in the game right that that's something is is rolling out and so if you're not familiar with that term that's
0: well i have heard it used for like all emotional bleed into your life i didn't realize it was specifically about like feelings with another player.
1: I mean that I guess as a major example. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. right. Like okay. I'm sure I mean bleed can be all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Just that that term is bigger than RPGs. Yeah. Yeah. But like gaming bleed can often be that mm-hmm. where you've had a conflict in game, but you come away having real feelings about that. Yeah. Because it was an emotional story being told and you have feelings. Yeah. Right. Like that's not weird. It's just important to be able to. Care for that and to just be aware ahead of time. I like a lot because I was reading through this at first and I was like, okay, I'm sure Eric thinks this, but I'm going to add the caveat. And then he wrote, I'm not suggesting RPG should replace the, you know, know, like therapy is great. I think almost everybody needs it Mm -hmm. on some level. And your therapy or meds definitely do what your doctor is recommending because that is the number one. I think it can be really therapeutic. I think sometimes. There is some, I'll say slippage instead of bleed, where a player is leaning on their group to therapize them. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a verb or not. but (laughs) It is now. When they are probably unwittingly, I don't think somebody would do this on purpose, but going to your group to play out your emotions. I've had a terrible day. I want to beat up goblins. Mm -hmm. Is like the softest version of that? And I think the most acceptable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, (laughs) I've done that. Yeah. But it can be really complicated because you're dealing with other players and people with real feelings. And But I absolutely have had this experience of, like, getting to play out. You know, I think maybe on a very simple level, I've been able to have really high-level feelings about, like, sexuality and gender, Mm -hmm. where the questions that I have needed to ask myself came up in gaming in really productive ways Mm -hmm. and opened doorways for me to think really thoughtfully about like, well, okay, what does that mean to me, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what, how do I feel about this? What does this mean when I'm really thinking about it? Where I don't know that I had language to really work through that. Yeah. But it was something I needed to think about.
0: Yeah. I've had it with like relationships where there's like, you see a situation and then it's sort of suddenly you're like oh this is a very twisted sort of funhouse mirror of something I'm dealing with in real life yeah and you're like oh, oh oh okay and sometimes your character's feelings are more clear on that and even not intending I've talked a lot of times about starscape it was I was very invested in starscape it took me a while to like reflect on that it was basically about covid like as Not that that makes anybody want to play it, but it's really not. But a crew of a starship trapped in a small like ship together and how they deal with that and relationships together. I was like, I feel like a lot of COVID restrictions had been lifted. It was like 2020, like late 2021, early 2022 when someone like said that. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah, that's what I've been designing this whole time. Like I thought I was just like obsessed with Star Trek because I watched it over pandemic, but. There was very much that that spoke to me.
1: Well, both things can be true.
0: Yeah, exactly. It was kind of both, but it was interesting. But that's, I think, why I ended up focusing on the elements of Star Trek and Firefly and Farscape that I did. Very much influenced by that. So sometimes it can be, like gaming and writing games, can be therapeutic in a way that you're not even aware of for a while. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that's definitely been true for me Mm -hmm. um, working on demigods. And like the delays that I experienced with demigods Uh. were actually well also causing problems for me like emotionally and mm-hmm. mentally and so that was a sort of snake eating its own tail but it also was extremely there was a major growth factor there for me that yeah. that like i know going forward designing games in the future like i know so much more about the process but also myself yeah. and so if that's not therapy i don't know what is <laughs> So
0: yeah, I think uh, lines and veils are super important with this. Yeah. And having and reflecting yourself on like, okay, what things are hard for me, but I'm okay to explore. For me, like alcoholism for a long time was one of my lines that I like didn't want to mess with because I like grew up with that. And so it was like, but now I'm like, I've moved away from that. And I'm okay with having that in games and dealing with it. It's something that doesn't bother me. But you know, new lines have taken their place. You know, child, children, babies, yeah. do not touch anything. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of interesting how you can see kind of your progress as a person and how you you're changing based on things <clears> with gaming. Like if I look at like not that I I haven't don't have them saved. Although actually I've been doing them on Google Docs long enough. I probably have a whole bunch of my old lines and Veils docs just sitting around. I
1: bet you do. <laughs> just in some format. Just yeah. not that super awesome spreadsheet that you made no 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 but that's like, new. yeah
0: but like the little columns where you just type it in yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I probably do so going back you guys, like I could probably make like a timeline of this is how I my, I've evolved in my comfort level with different things which is kind of an interesting to think
1: yeah I, to think about. But mm-hmm. recently I have stopped checking the ghosts box oh yeah yeah I, it's something I feel more comfortable I don't know about movies and stuff but like Wendy's got some ideas my partner has some ideas about places for me to start oh, okay. and so I just want to, like, ease in and yeah. see, like, is this still an issue for me? Yeah. You know, once every 10 years, I try pickles and spit it out. It's always disgusting. <laughs> but, like, you know, it's good to try it to yeah. be sure.
0: Yeah. I gave up. I don't do that with peanut butter.
1: Oh, yeah. That's fair. Nasty. Wendy also quit peanut butter.
0: Well, yeah, but that's <laughs> that's because it stops her breathing. Yeah,
1: she would die. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> I'm just a piggy bitch. Okay, I probably shouldn't use that term. But I'm allowed to tell it, so use it about myself. Yeah. So I think... I mean, we've talked a lot of times on this podcast too about how people we use. I mean, we pick up Monster Hearts, Jillian. I know, I'm sorry, but like Monster Hearts, I do feel is one of the games a lot of people you can jump into it and just have fun with it. But I do feel it has the capacity. For, at least we've seen it have the capacity for people to try and work through some of their high school
1: issues. Well, and I've seen the authors talk about their yeah. intentions around that. Like that—that yeah. that was a goal. Yeah, was to give a platform for that and yeah. to give some. Some ability to have thoughtful progress
0: yeah but i think i think there's also and i don't want to like call out specific games there are specific games that are designed where you step into the role of a therapist or something like that which those games always give me pause i haven't played them personally so i don't know but it always makes me a little nervous when people who are not i mean honestly even if it was mental health professionals writing those games, I still have pause about it because I feel like yeah, having someone in, I mean, unless it's like a soloing game, if it's a solo journaling game or something, then that's totally yeah, different.
1: Yeah, journaling, but, you're...
0: Yeah, that's yourself. But if you're actually playing with other people at the table and you're stepping into the role or, and assuming a role of some sort of therapist, I think that's something that...
1: Yeah, and and yeah. even the concept of like peer counseling has come under a lot of heat, I think, rightfully, yeah. lately. That a group therapy without an actual therapist there can actually be harmful, yeah, and for plenty of perfectly good reasons. And so yeah, that's just worth noting, right? Yeah. is that if you or multiple people in your game are really leaning hard into this as therapy and either not everybody at the table knows or people at the table have different agendas mm-hmm. agendas, yeah, agenda, agenda, then that can create some really strange conflicts or or struggles for you who just wants to move forward and ask interesting questions. Yeah.
0: Eric's actually in the chat room. He asks, like, Call of Cthulhu, which I think is COC. No, like, if you're playing in a game where your profession is, like, a therapist or a doctor, but you're not actually therapizing the other people at the table, like, in Call of Cthulhu, like, that's different. That's, like, your job, an occupation. Yeah. It can lend itself to some of your die rolls or something, or what skills you use. But there's games that you actually are Like role playing, like as a therapy session and things like that, which those are what give me pause. Yeah. Like if if it's literally just like a profession, like you can be a doctor, you can be, I don't know, archaeologist or a therapist. Like that's a little that's a little different to me. As long as you're not like stepping into that role to talk through feelings with players and other things. Yeah. So I do want to make that distinction.
1: And we're also trying really hard to not call out specific games, so it's yeah, it's kind of a big complicated thing that I don't necessarily want to like put anyone on blast for right. because people are trying stuff yeah. and like I respect the adventure of, of really trying to attempt something like that but it also comes with risks mm-hmm. so
0: and the the valuable therapeutic process like we mentioned of writing a game like that like that could be incredibly yeah. valuable to the person creating it so it's just something that's a, a little bit hard to navigate especially with everyone always assuming best intent I think In some way, like every tabletop game is some sort of a little bit therapy.
1: Well, it's a it's all a social experiment. Right. You know, or a social experience. And any group of humans together are gonna run into some feelings. Right. And that is big and complicated. And if you're not ready for it or you haven't thought about that ahead of time or that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, well, and even just the act of making a character. Like you are choosing something that's like yourself or specifically choosing something that's not like yourself because you want to feel what that's like. Yeah. So it's, yeah. oh, it's like, okay, I'm going to do like power fantasy or no, I'm going to see what it's like to be somebody completely different than I am. Or yeah. so it's a, it's very much, I mean, honestly, like when kids play pretend when they're little, like that's actually how our brains develop. It's incredibly important and actually is how humans have risen to rule and now destroy the planet. Yeah is through like our storytelling.
1: Yeah, because one of the big things that separates or, or that like animal intelligence struggles with and you see glimmers of with elephants and dolphins and certain species is that ability to think or imagine something that is not present. That ideation that that look, there's all these series on intelligence and what that means and, and what emotional intelligence is separate from that, which I'm not qualified to <laughs> preach about. But I think it's is a big complicated question. Yeah. That's
0: and our and even beyond just emotional intelligence, our brains, there's a bunch of amazing research on this, if you want to Google around and look at it. Like the actual narrative storytelling is something that our brains have been pre-programmed to be very open and accepting to, which is why so many people are having trouble in this new age where we're having narratives constantly thrown at us. Because yeah. our brains our evolutionary brains, our our lizard brains, if you want to call it that, are not have no capacity for telling uh, lies and falsehoods from truth, right? Because it, our brains are just programmed to pull in stories and information and, and and take it in
1: and prioritize the scariest information first. Yeah. So anything that sounds like a threat or danger or anything like that, and that is based on your personal worldview. Yeah. Right. Of like, oh, someone's coming to take my job. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That would be scary if it was true and so that but there's no way to discern that that discernment is wild
0: right and and that really plays into role playing games you're consciously know that the emotions at the table are fake but it can stay with you in a way that you don't expect because most of your brain can't tell that difference so i mean that gets back into bleed a little bit but that it can be long term some of us have things we think about in in games for years later and sometimes we wonder why, like, why is this still something that I still think about? Or I wonder why I made that decision because your brain, at least the majority of your brain could not tell the difference between that and a thing that it thought was true. Not that really happened to you, but that was it was told was true. Yeah. So it gets very complicated very quickly. It's fascinating. It's such a cool topic. It's so weird to think yeah. about. And such a weird evolution of like this core of human civilization, which is narrative stories
1: it's also unfortunate in one sense that we have two teachers talking and we didn't have <laughs> anybody else join us tonight because yeah. like we have i think a very specific <laughs> point of view on that yeah. based on a lot of education research and all that kind of stuff that is mm-hmm. like really specific yeah. to well
0: that. it's also all the the conspiracy theory podcasts i listen to that oh, talk. okay yeah it's a ton of that about like why people aren't able to discern, like, why people believe, like, outlandish, wild oh, conspiracy theories. about
1: conspiracy theories. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. They're not...
0: Oh, no, yeah. I don't believe in conspiracy theories. They're debunking them or discussing, sure. like, their influence on culture. Yeah. And it, one of those it's things...
1: so complicated. It's so
0: complicated, but it really speaks to this topic, because, like, it is. Like, our brains have a really hard time discerning, like, fact from fiction when it's in a story form.
1: Yeah. And, and, there's, and yeah. there's this huge bias to actually accept the first thing you heard. Yeah. And like, if you hear a story and then you hear a conflicting story later, your brain is automatically biased to go with the first thing you heard because it didn't have anything to challenge it. Yeah. And then this other challenge is like, but I think this thing. Yeah. So it's under attack now. Yeah. Well, why though? Why are you defending it?
0: Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, there's so many just wild conspiracy theories. And They've done studies where people made up conspiracy theories and then told them to people like that they knew were false because they made them up. Like it yeah. wasn't like, yeah, trying like to the debunk. the first
1: flat earthers <laughs> knew what they were doing, right? I like I don't know if they were even like doing a joke or not, but the first flat earthers knew. No. I really
0: it's a religion thing. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. I just assumed it was a, a giant troll.
0: No, I've listened to a lot of episodes about okay. that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you for sending me on that. Yeah,
0: no, nope, because, yeah, it doesn't say in the Bible that the earth is round, so.
1: Does it say it's flat? I don't know. I don't, okay.
0: <laughs> I don't. It's been a while since I listened. I'm in the middle of a like, huge, like, Illuminati set, like,
1: 18-episode oh. arc. So oh, wow, yeah, okay.
0: I'm really into this. It's really wild. Okay.
1: Oh, the firmament, yes. that There is a whole section about that.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. Cause there's like the ice, bra- like wall. And yeah. yeah, it's wild.
1: Yeah. Okay. Mailbag two. <laughs> Mailbag
0: two. We got way off on that one. Thank you for following us that on was that great. It was a
1: short email, like seven lines of text here. And we had a 45 minute conversation about it, which yeah, was
0: great. Absolutely. Also, if you're into to podcasts about debunking conspiracy theories, the paranoid strain, amazing. Paranoid so strain. Okay. Yeah. Don't start in their early episodes because. They did um they do amazing research, but the audio quality is not great. Ah, uh, yeah. So start a little later, fall in love with it, and then go back and listen to that where you can forgive them. Awesome. Okay. Mailbag number two. Dear Kimmy and the fellowship of the Golden Lasso. <laughs> First of all, thank you so much for continuing to make this great show. I've been a listener and sometimes viewer for years. And even though I miss a few shows occasionally and simply do not have time to enjoy all the actual plays, I always look forward to spending some time with you in your virtual company. And I am very glad to hear your many responses to the mails I send into the show. Thank you. Please send in more. Thanks. And skull. Skull.
1: Real quick, I, I, yeah. I was thinking about this earlier. Because it's so long, I want to mention this is Thomas from Denmark. And yeah. we'll mention it again at the end. But yeah, Thomas yeah. from Denmark. Yes. Yeah.
0: Now, this is a long email. So it's divided into three parts a short starter, a then longer, more meaty entree for the main course. And to round it off, some advice for playing TTRPGs with younglings for a sweet dessert. I did not eat dinner before this; it's a mistake. Oh no! <laughs> I would love to have an appetizer, entree, and dessert. Wait a minute, did I eat? No. All right. Oops. <laughs> the starter. Oh <laughs> Back... I like this. <laughs> Back in episode two of season two, I started. I shared a gaming story about the power of Ulric and some incredible dice rolling from a session I played with some teenagers. As part of an after-school activity, we play Warhammer fantasy role-playing.
1: Oh, I remember this story.
0: Yeah, yeah. WFRP for short. Funny enough, we actually pronounce it woofoo, due to a joke in old Games Workshop magazine. Yeah, wolf woop However, I digress. I didn't. I didn't know that. Okay, Kimmy made some comments about why she found it strange to use that particular system to play with kids slash teenagers and I, if I remember correctly even recommended that others perhaps shouldn't use this system to play with Uh, younglings. Okay. This surprised me. And even recommended that others perhaps shouldn't use this system to play with younglings. This surprised me. But then again, no, not so much. It's probably some cultural differences. And the rules, oh boy. The Warhammer 4th edition rules are both clunky and way too complicated. And on top of it, the core rulebook is very poorly edited. Yeah, it sure is. So for that reason alone, I would myself advise against using the game. For both kids and adults, <laughs> but I love the setting, and there are some integral parts of the system that really work well for the purpose. So ever since I have continuously had to simplify the rules. It seems that one of the benefits of playing with teenagers is it took years before any of them actually got their hands on a rule book and started to read the rules. So I just played the game in a way that worked for us. And I had a huge smile when the first player came to me and said, "Now I've read the rules, Thomas. I can recognize most of them, but now I understand what you mean when you say." We don't use all of them. (laughs) Or even use some of them as written. But I'm curious to hear why you would not play Warhammer with younglings.
1: Mm. So the complexity is a big part of it. Mm -hmm. I think the setting is inherently a little more grown up. But that is easy to file off. And like, you can adjust the setting. But that's one of the first things that occurs to me. How about you?
0: I mean, the setting, they're teenagers. And they, I mean, I assume they have the internet and video games.
1: Yeah. There's a and d club for, like, the middle schoolers. Oh, yeah. And there's a high school group, yeah. you know? So, like, I was thinking of my middle schoolers first. Oh, okay, yeah, Which yeah. is a little, yeah.
0: I mean, I'm torn with this, and I, this is very much U.S. culture, so I feel like it's probably very different in other places where they tend to regulate violence more. Mm. But in the U.S., like, whatever you're going to describe in a Warhammer TTRPG is going to be less than they shooting each other in Call of Duty or True. whatever. Yeah, right? yeah. Specifically, our kids are are exposed to a level of violence that is beyond the pale. Yeah, that, most that's kids.
1: true. And if you're comparing it to DD, like that's just as much murder. Like, I guess that's a non issue. I retract.
0: I mean, no, no. I mean, the, the, there are elements because I do think that there's, at least in older versions of Warhammer, there's a bit of misogyny and like other elements that, yes, D&D has that too, but not quite so clearly baked in and yeah. like in a much easier way to hand wave or yeah. clear over, especially with newer editions. So I think that part's a little a little weird. But uh, yeah, I mean, other than the rules, I feel like just the rules, like it's the
1: rules. Here's the thing. There's two reasons why I don't mind playing D&D with my students at at school. Mm -hmm. One is they know what it is. And there's a popular movie now. And now there's Baldur's Gate 3 they're talking about. You know, like all this stuff is in common language and it's, there is a cultural touchstone to think about like yeah. there's a popularity to it or if it's not popular it's at least aware yeah. right if you say what is the world of fantasy warhammer fantasy roleplay there's a whole huge explanation that's required and then you still have trouble imagining like your character in the street but with the indie there's this huge recognition right yeah. and having played a little bit in the adventurers league at our last couple cons mm-hmm. it is very accessible which is hard to say out loud that's hard for me to admit but they have the greatest game support because it requires it right like I want to be clear like I'm not just straight up complimenting it's a very complicated game and it required this incredible amount of support which is why it's easy to get into mm-hmm. is you can go on D&D beyond you can crank out a character in 5 minutes yeah and hand it to them they don't know what everything is on the sheet. That's okay. Some of it's intuitive. Some of it isn't. But you could start playing with, make six characters and explain basically what's going on in an hour. Yeah. And get going.
0: Yeah. They're, and then, yeah, I mean, even if they've never seen the D&D movie, because that's a newer kind of thing. I think I think that's come out since this first email. I, time has no meaning. This is the beginning of this. So it was sure. like 20 weeks ago. I don't know. No, well, I'm, I guess I'll I'm
1: just it. getting into why I would not play Warhammer.
0: Yeah, no. Yeah. But like, <laughs> Like, even without those touchstones, it's really easy to be like, this is like Lord of the Rings, or this is like, there's so many high fantasy touchstones for people, at least nerdy people, (laughs) that it's so easy. And again, like, yeah, I think you've got it. you really hit the nail on the head with Warhammer, just having so much more you have to learn other than the roles, which are already kind of a hot mess, as you admitted. Yeah. And I just, yeah, just, I don't know. I think maybe partially my familiarity with it, like, I am aware of Warhammer. I know about it. I have not played it, but I have it somewhere. I think in my house. It's just one of those things that I, yeah, my familiarity with it is disconnected. So I also feel weirder about like jumping in on that with people who who haven't done it.
1: Yeah, um, I might also my memory of the dice system was that there were more moving parts. Yeah, and with D and D with fifth edition going from now. I'm just comparing Warhammer with D and D because I don't know what I would run. Like, if I had a bunch of kids who knew fantasy stuff and wanted to play a fantasy game, I don't know that I would use something else. Yeah. If only because they know what D&D is. Yeah. Even if they don't know all the settings or whatever, Mm -hmm. it's there is a common language there. The lowest barred entry. They know what an elf is. They know what an orc is. There's a very easy to describe in the game.
0: They can go to Target and buy the books. Yes. They don't even have to find a game store. I mean, I know we all buy things on the internet now anyway, but like.
1: So I am defaulting to saying I would run D&D instead of fancy mm-hmm. uh, Warhammer fancy. But that's also like with D&D 5th edition, the advantage disadvantage thing mm-hmm. cut out a ton of the like on the fly math. Yeah. That had to happen. Yeah. And so now when you look at the character sheet and it says okay, roll your mace. Okay, the mace says plus 6 next to it and then it says 1d6 plus 3. Okay, I know what to do. there's two dice rolls and I remember Fantasy Warhammer being Wolf Rip. I'll just say Wolf Rip. Having more moving parts. I can't remember why. I mean, I'm picturing a like a percentile system, but maybe that's further back. Maybe that's a previous edition. That's what I'm thinking of. Something like that.
0: Yeah, I think so. But I, I do agree. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, D- D&D is just so easy. Like, not yeah. necessarily the easiest to play, but it's so easy for people to access and to get the pieces for and all that stuff that it's it's hard it's hard to it's hard to beat that for a entering into the hobby.
1: Oh yeah, they, so just quickly mm-hmm. in chat the mods, complicated modifiers, tables, all that stuff that you can get in D&D if you go looking for it and really want it, yeah. but there is a fast mode, right? There is like a quick start basically mm-hmm. yeah. of because they have worked very hard and put millions of dollars into the effort of D&D Beyond to make it that accessible. Yeah. And that not, most game designers can't afford that and that's the way of the world.
0: Right. And well, and streamlining it with additions. Like, I feel like Warhammer is, people are saying this in the chat, like an old edition of D&D that's more clunky. And for better or worse, like for Watsy's choices, yeah, they have tried to make it more and more accessible and streamlined it as much as possible so people can pick it up and play it to a, a large level of success. Yeah. So, yes, the first one's free, right? Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> Shall I start the entree?
0: The entree, please. All right. Um, sorry, that rumbling is my stomach.
1: We can split the entree though. So, we, you know, it's. Oh, no, I want the dessert. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. I have been playing TGRPGs. This is still that. Wait, wait, what did we say? Thomas? Yeah, in Denmark. Yeah, yeah Thomas of Denmark. cool. I have been playing TGRPGs with kids and teenagers for years and have used many different systems, including. Savage Worlds, Dungeons & Dragons, and Pathfinder, when Warhammer RPG 4th Edition came out back in 2017. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I don't think I've played 4th Edition, then.
0: No, I haven't.
1: I've played the other one, the one right
0: before that. seems so much more recent than, well, one, than it is, but also
1: two. That was six years
0: ago. I know. No, no. 2019 was last year. No, not even close.
1: As much as I want to pass on 2019 through 2021. No, uh, I know. Okay, wait. uh, I I don't want to do that
0: because I'd have to start potty training my kid again. I don't want to do that.
1: So when Warhammer came out in 2017, I decided to give it a spin and have never looked back. I have had so much fun with this system and even found to prefer it to many others to play with teens, but not with young kids. Good caveat. Why I made the shift. Years ago, I played a game at the local library where kids could show up once or twice a month. Some of the younglings played every time, others just once or twice. We used Pathfinder and started to have some problems as the characters advanced in levels. It simply became way too complicated. Hmm. In addition, the level system really did not work if new players only had first-level characters while others had reached fourth level. And giving a new player a fourth-level character... The first time they played was also problematic. Yeah, that defeats the purpose of what you're trying to do. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm with you. That 100%. makes
0: perfect sense.
1: Therefore, I canned the Pathfinder game and shifted to Warhammer. Even though the rules need more than a little tinkering, <laughs> however, even though I could write long letters about how the system needs to improve, many things work wonderfully when I play with the local Young Lights. So here are my top five reasons for why Wolfroop is a great game when playing with Young Lights. Welcome to discuss each point as you go along, Well, we will. (laughs) One, the lowly and often roguish characters. When a party consists of a mixed group of wannabe adventurers, such as Warhammer classics like Ratcatcher, Beggar, Servant, or Outlaw, it shapes how the game is played. Even the more prestigious careers have humble entry levels. You have to be a squire before a knight, an apprentice before a wizard, etc. The party simply feels more ingrained in the setting with their mundane jobs. And often it becomes a story in itself when a character starts off as a lowly scribe in the townsman center, townsman career, but aspires to advance to town counselor or even burgermeister, or simply changes career to become a bounty hunter or a river warden.
0: Love the word burgomaster
1: Yeah, me too. It's so
0: cool. That sounds, turns out, like, I think I have the 2009 edition of Warhammer.
1: Okay. Which that's, is third edition. I think that's probably what I played. Yeah. I, I
0: think that's what I have, because I remember getting the book around the time the podcast started. Like or, or it might have been like the next year. Yeah. So I'm not obviously not playing the most recent one or playing it. I'm not playing it. I read it a few times and I haven't it's sitting on my shelf with yeah. all the other things I own. But I'm sort of torn on this because I remember we've talked about Warhammer before, and not not recently, but in the olden days of Stork and Stew and others how sometimes the concept of starting as a squire isn't that interesting to people a lot of times. But I am super fascinated by it. And actually, that sounds like something I would really love.
1: And maybe it's not interesting to folks like us necessarily because we've done those games, right? Possibly. Or we know that there's a game where I can be a Githyanki knight riding a dragon. When you're starting out as a town scribe, that's not a story about dragons and elves and wizards and Mm -hmm. and whatever. It's a very like low power, gritty, in the mud kind of campaign Mm -hmm. fighting rats. And and I think it's a point by rather than level up, really kind of it's a it's a much smoother progression Mm -hmm. than the like chunks of levels. That's what I loved about Shadowrun for so long. Is you could have somebody come in new and just have some XP and the difference between somebody with a lot of XP and someone with a little bit of XP is not so wide as like a first level and fourth level character. Mm-hmm. That
0: seems like such a hard sell for teenagers though. Hey, come play my game. You can't be a knight yet, but you can be a squire. Like, we can look and be like, I also love playing like indie games where I am completely inept and my character can't do anything right. And that's very interesting for me. Yeah. <laughs> so that I love making like broken characters or non optimized characters, but like, like when a bunch of kids sit down to play a fantasy TTRPG, yeah, they don't want to be squires or I mean, apprentices. That, this
1: was one of my first complaints about the system when I first started playing, which yeah. I guess third edition, yeah, was I'm not good at anything. I think I was <laughs> playing a doctor. i oh. like couldn't do anything. Yeah, and any, even if it was like the low end, like tooth pulling kind of yeah. that version of a fantasy doctor, like I couldn't even do that. I had like a forty percent chance of doing what my main job is yeah something like that feels not fun to me yeah but maybe it's how thomas is selling it to the teens you know like hey come play in the mud let's get dirty let's be bad at things Mm
0: -hmm. or if you just don't even i mean maybe you don't say it maybe you treat it more i mean because i mean mechanically we're adults so we can see there's very little difference probably between that and like a level one paladin like Technically, you're probably a squire. Like, if you were going to, like, make it more narrative and not be, like, level one. Like, I could see you very easily reskinning levels and having more narrative names like this. So maybe they just didn't focus on it. Maybe you're like, oh, you're going to be a knight. Okay, we're going to start out as a beginner knight and you're going to build up. Like, you don't start on, like, you can come play and be a squire if you pitch it correctly. Yeah, I guess that would yeah. be a problem. But I'm more intrigued. I don't remember this aspect specifically when i was reading it before but i do remember having previous conversations on the podcast about it
1: yeah yeah all right you want to take number two
0: point number two the gruesome critical hits and failures this is what they love right okay yes (laughs) a crit or failure happens every time you roll a pair on the percentile dice oh yeah you're right percentile dice i couldn't remember for a test so on 11 22 etc a 1 in 10 chance of something extraordinary happening makes a lot of drama in the game and a lot of drama is great and good besides the gruesome critical hits are fun but i advise some adult moderation describing them yep. in too much detail yes <laughs> yes teenagers and all children need that need that uh, caveat on their descriptions yep and three combat rules that don't favor the brave or the bold The combat rules shape a game, perhaps even more than how much damage a character takes from falling down. The damage in Wurf is, by the way, quite harsh for all but the well-trained acrobat or cat burglar. Combats are quite fast, mostly done in five or fewer rounds. That's awesome. And will prove bad for the losing side. Wounds, aka hit points, are few enough to avoid losing battles of attrition and critical hits means that there's always a risk involved. Even a lowly goblin and rusty blade can make a lucky, potentially deadly hit against a mighty warrior. And if you are ambushed, outnumbered, or generally unprepared for the combat, you should consider flight before fight. For most player characters, it is simply pure folly to go toe to toe against a prepared and well armored opponent. When you absolutely need to fight a knight, it's better to sneak around and ambush them in a dark alley by the latrines than have a face off with them in a duel or on the battlefield which means that players often try to make such sneaky plays work out. That's interesting. I mean, yeah. I would not expect anything less, honestly, from Warhammer. Like,
1: But again, this level of knowing that you shouldn't just run in and fight them yeah. is not what I have found intuitive with my team players. No, that's true. <laughs> they were like, I'm going to go fight it. I'm like, hey guys, I'm letting you know some of these scenarios I'm putting in front of you. It's not like a video game where if you're at the scenario, you can probably beat it. Or respawn. Right. This is what I want is to give you the opportunity to think about should we fight it or should we flee? And I got, yeah, 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 yeah. we fight it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's super... That's one of the things I love about some other systems too. Like, I love that GURPS is really deadly. I love that the duels in L5R are really deadly or or, used to be deadly. There's something really amazing about that and it makes for incredible storytelling moments. And maybe it's better not to like... Baby, the teenagers and and like facilitate them like being like combat obsessed. Maybe sure. it's like okay, we're gonna run one, just practice combat before we get started. Have all of them die real quick and be like, sure. okay, now that you know how this goes, we're gonna actually start our campaign. So now you can choose wisely. Yeah, when you make your choices. But I mean, I could see that being really interesting to them too, because in a in a world where they do play video games, where they respawn or they can't die or they whatever they do. They use God mode. Right, that's a very old callback. Like there might be something really interesting and attractive to them for something where it's like, yeah, no, you you're done. Like you you fight it and it's super deadly. Yeah. So maybe that's like something that really appeals to them. Yeah. I don't know. Tell us. Write in and tell us how they feel. (laughs) Ask them.
1: Shall I read number four? Yes, please. Fate points. Wolf Rip is a wonderfully deadly system. As mentioned, it is fun to roll on the crit tables and see your enemy's fingers fly, lungs collapse, and bones snap. On the other hand, for some players, it is less fun when it happens to their own character. And character death is, for the most part, neither a fun experience. Mm-hmm. Even though both can be considered a learning experience about being able to handle losing in games, it's kind of what you're doing, yeah. but that is more general takeaway from playing games that we can come back to in another email about why after-school clubs are great.
0: He's reading my mind. That's what's uh, yeah. happening. Good,
1: good. <laughs> good. excellent, uh, fine. Please send that email as well. Yeah. But to mitigate the deadly rules, the mechanics of fate points come to the rescue. A character usually begins the game with about three fate points, and they can be used, used to save your character from death, insanity, or chaotic mutations. Why would you want to prevent chaotic mutations? Hmm. I don't know. Therefore, there is a consequence when you try to wrestle a troll jump in front of a blunderbuss, or whatever one might do in the heat of the game. However, for the first three or four times, you get a freebie and can spend a fate point to get out of the situation. Okay. So that mitigates a little what you were talking about. Like, let's do a practice session anyway. Mm -hmm. Like, let's do a practice fight where everyone's going to lose. Yeah. And then, also, you get some fate points if you really run into trouble. Yeah. You do respawn. Yes. You get three Mm respawns, or whatever, and understanding that Can you get more fate points as anyone? Do you know? I'm sure you can. I'm sure. Like, there has to be some sort of mechanic in there. I mean, maybe that's just the life of your character. I mean, that's true. You have three.
0: I would assume, based on the majority of the mechanics out there that I've seen with every other system. Well,
1: like, Monster of the Week's luck points do not come back.
0: That's true. When you're
1: out, you're out of luck. That's true.
0: And I guess Call of Cthulhu's same.
1: Yeah. I like that, personally.
0: Yeah, I like that, too. I absolutely... I absolutely think that's a great way of doing it. That'd be, that'd be interesting. All right. Yeah. It I, really is. To, I evidently have to read <laughs> fourth edition Warhammer Yeah, because like if playing. you
1: ran out, if you used three, you almost died three times. Yeah. You know, like that is substantial. But,
0: but it's also super easy to die. Yeah. So it happens a lot.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Should I go on to number five and yes. then you get dessert? Please do. All right. Lots of skills is the next point. When players sit at the table, they often look at the character sheet in order to figure out what to do. If the only skills on the sheet are a dozen variants of how to whack a goblin, said goblin will be whacked. When playing Warhammer, there are, for example, a slew of fellowship skills such as gossip, bribe, and charm, which I have learned is great for the players. It reminds them that there might be a different way to get by. Mm -hmm. All in all, when playing Warhammer, the characters often work in morally gray zones doing all kinds of unlawful shenanigans, which I have found is a huge bonus when playing with teens who (laughs) like doing such things. And on top of that, often balk and do weird things when you as the GM expect them to play good and honorable heroes. So it's just better to play the rogues from the start.
0: Okay, that is very so true. You hit the nail on the head with that one.
1: Yep. Thus concludes the second part, and not so much with a question, but more a chance for the hosts to reflect and, and perhaps consider which gaming system they would prefer to use when playing with teens and any pros and cons in that system they would highlight. So what would you look for in a system and or setting if you should play a TTRPG with Young younglings before dessert?
0: Hmm. I feel, I mean, like we said D&D, so I feel like I can't pick that, even though I probably wouldn't want to run it, but I feel like that would probably be the most logical thing to run for people.
1: Well, I mean, the question is, what would you run instead?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, then Warhammer.
1: Or not, or not Warhammer. Not. Maybe you're convinced you you would sound like you were coming around on some of the Warhammer stuff.
0: I mean, I am interested in looking at it and yeah.
1: the new version because I obviously haven't. Fourth at edition that. sounds playable.
0: Yeah, even with the the lack of editing. that's yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I'm probably a little less snooty about that now that I'm making games. I'm like, oh yeah, typos. Those those yep. happen even to great amazing people. Yep. Great amazing amazing
1: people. game designers Super have typos have, in their material. Yeah, typos. Yep.
0: Oh okay. Well, I've had, I've a friend, it's Sam's like really good friend actually has a son who keeps like every time we see each other, which is like twice a year, at like different, like, like parties. He's, oh gosh, he's probably like 16 now. He's been asking me since he was like 13. No, no, before pandemic. So I mean, 2019 was last year. So he's got to be like, you know, 14. I don't know. He's, nope. He's a young teenager. Um, he's wanting me, he wants to run Run. He's really into Run and very interested. And I'm just like, no, not, no. So I found Runners in the Dark or Runners in the Shadows. I think oh. it's, it's a PBTA hack. It might be a Forge in the Dark hack. I don't mm. remember. But it's like Shadow Run, if you don't want to run Shadow Run, is basically what it is. Yeah. So I have a copy of that, which I might eventually try and run. Although I, I think now he's like driving and not interested in me any, in me running things for them anymore. But
1: I think it was a point somebody made on this show. Well uh, we never make points on this show. But there was I think a fair comparison or a fair point made about more the hippie story games that Mm -hmm. we all like and that it puts this tremendous front load on the GM and the players to some extent too, where like when you open the Shadowrun rulebook, there is a very clear, it's a long and arduous process, but it's a clear process. The fifth edition rulebook, don't bother with six, it is hot garbage. (laughs) Um, Yeah, look, Chat
2: six Chet edition RG. is
1: not playable, <laughs> in fact. So it's all that, it's the same reason why the way d right? Like it has so much of that front loaded for you. Yeah. And it was an interesting thing that I hadn't really thought about until I heard, I think it was when we were talking about preparation. Yeah. Right. And the idea that I can run PBTA games because I have spent 30 years preparing for them. Yeah. And I got to that preparation by. Playing Shadowrun and Dungeons and Dragons and Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, third edition, mm. and probably second edition, yeah. transition between those, and Palladium and GURPS and a million games. And so I can sit down and play a story game because I know what to do. Yeah. And PBTA, even my like demigods, there are components of that, that are like if you if it's your first RPG ever of anything, Mm -hmm. I had to put way more scaffolding in there than I realized. Yeah. And I don't know that it's even complete at that level Mm -hmm. because at some point I went, if this is your first game, I'm going to do my best. I'm sorry. (laughs) I am sort of assuming some level of knowledge that that you got to my game because you played D&D and then thought, how would we play Demigods? Yeah. Oh, the game called Demigods. Yeah. (laughs) So.
0: I found that too, like surprisingly, the more I, ro- I the more i i roll out and play test starscape i'm having people who haven't played powered by the apocalypse before and also people who haven't played role playing games before and for some people they are able to pick it up no problem and then some people it's very difficult for them yeah so it's definitely not a one size fits all like it's for a long time it's been my go to answer for oh i you know I definitely start with pbta and i'm sort of rethinking that and I don't know if there's, like, one size fits all. I think you have to talk to the person. Yeah,
1: I think it really depends on also what that person's looking for. Yeah. Right? If somebody is coming to gaming because they want to, like, kick down doors and beat up goblins, there is no PBTA game that is built for that. Uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe there is. Yep. I don't know of it. Demigods is one of the most combat-focused PBTAs out there. Starscape has excellent combat, but it's not that survivability isn't the point of it.
0: No, not at all. There's right? not even
1: parts of the game. <laughs> I know, I know. But like you could do combat and that like carries out the way we picture stories. Yeah. But for the average person thinking like, I like stories, how do I emulate and pretend stories with my friends at a table? Yeah. Oh, well, stories often have conflict. Conflict often resolved by violence. There's a really clear line of how to do an adventure in D&D mm-hmm. or an adventure in, you know, like there's all this support of like, here's... Here's this great conspiracy in uh, Shadowrun Mm -hmm. that you could play or Call of Cthulhu or whatever. There is a mythos, there's a fiction built up around it. Mm -hmm. And when you sit down to play, I don't know, even Masks, right? Which I think of as a masterpiece of game design. It assumes so much knowledge. Yeah. And if you don't have that, it's questionable whether you should start with that or Champions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, I mean, that's a wild statement to make. It is. I'm not providing a concrete answer.
0: I'm sorry, who are you? But it's
1: worth asking the question, what does the person (laughs) want to get out of it, right? Do they want to tell emotional stories or do they want to beat up bad guys? Mm -hmm. And that is going to be so different. If somebody is like heard about D&D, they're like, oh, we tell stories with our friends. Well, let's try a PBTA or something, Mm -hmm. Right. If they're like, oh, I heard we can beat up goblins and get gold and loot. Oh, let's start with D&D and then see where we go from there. And maybe we'll get to emotional stories.
0: Yeah, I mean, most like 99% of people don't even have that thought process. They're like, D&D, that's what there is. They don't know other than that. Unless they have a, a handy guide who knows more about it to help them. Yeah, I feel like, like D&D is the first step. And I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about this, but someone that we know... Who may or may not be in chat is going to be working on a set of classes about how to role play and how to run role playing games. Mm-hmm. I'll let them announce it, but I've been talking with them about it. And like, honestly, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I mean, it's got to be D and D focused because that's where it is. Like, that's the and know.
1: the massive amount of support that is there. They can go to D and D Beyond when they're not at the game and read tons yeah. of material. Yeah, some of it's paywalled, but There's so much there you could go and read.
0: Yeah, 8 billion actual plays where you can watch how to do things, all that stuff. So I think that's, I mean, yeah, I feel like that's got to be the answer. I mean, unless they are looking for something like, hey, I heard about these things called role-playing games, and I really love Star Trek, and I would love to play a Star Trek game. Yeah. Then not (laughs) D&D.
1: Right. But and, and like I would even lean towards in that case, I would be like, what do you like about Star Trek? Yeah. Right. Because it's probably complex <laughs> stories. Star Trek is not exactly is is very different from Star Wars in that way. Right. Like Star Wars is about sword fights and blasters and shit. Yeah. Right. And like family obligations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Star Trek is utopian exploration. And I like Starscape is so good at that. Like, we can stop talking. It's mentioning. No, no, it's, I know. I'm not doing it on purpose to like yeah. give you a hard time, like we did with but all the also, time. But also,
0: yeah. But also, like, it doesn't capture what a lot of people think they want when they play Star Trek. Right. So, right. like, if you're playing Star Trek to go explore and fight weird things, like the game is not for you. It's like you can do those things, but it's mostly about like the people on the ship together. So I think that like breaking that down, and I think that's the big thing is like like having a guide. Like I think that's why there's not one. It's all answer for yeah. us because we know enough about it that if someone was like, Hey, I'm new, I want to play a game, we could then tailor our menu options for them to yeah. like really nail what they wanted.
1: And and sometimes like honestly, in a lot of situations, for me at least, running a game for someone, D D is gonna be the best first step. Mm-hmm. Well, and like, you did
0: a bunch of that this summer.
1: Yeah. So yeah. with new I'm people like, here, try some. And now hey, guys, that was really fun, right? There's other kinds of stories we can do, yeah. right? Like, this isn't the only game out there. Mm-hmm. And I was really clear with them on a lot of those points. And like, yeah, okay, this is kind of fun, though. And then, like, it was so easy to get into D&D Beyond. And, like, yeah. just seeing that, seeing the level of structure that was already there, it's a ton of things that didn't have to figure out. And in some levels, they were also intimidated. Like, a, a couple people were, like, struggling with, how to do certain things in the game. And they're like, wow, if I'm having so much trouble in DD, I must be really bad at gaming. And I had to be like, no, 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 that's not the takeaway here. D&D is complicated, it's really complicated. And you chose a caster. Yeah. Like you're playing a sorcerer, yeah. like, or a, a, a warlock. The, yeah. the warlock player was like, Oof. I'm having a time. <laughs> and, and
0: it is a time. Yeah.
1: So, you know, just explaining what a patron is, it's yeah. like, Wait, what?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I have to do what someone says? What? Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was a whole complicated thing that, like, they got into, and we had great conversations about it. But then some of the teachers I did a bunch of, if you don't know, I played D&D with a bunch of my colleagues from school this summer, two different groups, and went through a couple of one-shots, mm-hmm. right? And introduced a bunch of people who never played before. Mm-hmm. And their experiences were different. Yep. Right. The next game, like I have, there's one person who is like, I've made 17 characters and <laughs> I haven't stopped thinking about the game we played. I'm like, yeah, man. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> and several others are like, that was really fun. We should play again. And I started with, okay, is there a night after school that would work? No. Yeah. What about Saturdays? No. no. Okay. Yeah. So we're not going to play again. Yeah, yeah. Right. But the one of them is like, <laughs>
0: We can do this. This is a thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which I'm very relatable.
0: (laughs) Yes. Been there. Like, I guess. Okay. So I guess I think we're approaching it as teachers again. What's going to be the best for the student? How do we So I'm going to simplify this and be like, what would I like to run for new people? Like, what would I enjoy running? I think I'd really enjoy. I don't know. Now I'm like, there's so many choices. I mean, I think I'm biased because I've just run it a bunch. But I really liked one ring. It's kind of my thing right now. (laughs) I'm really obsessed with it. And I keep talking it up to everybody. The
1: onboarding for that looks so intimidating to me. Yeah, I I, mean,
0: it really, it wasn't that bad. Like when we sat down and like kind of did it. I think now that I've been through it once, I think it could walk someone through it. mm. And it's something that would be so relatable to 99.9% of the people I know. Even my three-year-old has some contextual like, middle earth, oh, that's a hobbit. What's a hobbit? I don't know, but that's one of them. Like, yeah. she doesn't know, but so I think that might I'm be shocked
1: that your three year old knows what a Hobbit is. I'm
0: not even gonna have to explain to her what her name means, and that's gonna be
1: yep. Like, weird. Yep,
0: but uh, you did that. I did that, but it's like the weird one that not everyone's like. Oh, your parents? I have a I have yeah. a Leia in my class right now.
1: Oh, that's unfortunate. And it's just like, I mean, Leia was a name before the movie, at least. Yeah, when people are coming to school named uh, Aragorn. Like, that wasn't a name before Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. I had a Luke, in the middle name was Skywalker one time, and then they had their regular last name. Oh,
1: that's unfortunate.
0: I mean, I never said it out loud, so like I was the only one in the class who
1: maybe yeah. knew. I don't know. You hope. had the roster. Yeah. yeah.
0: You're like, oh, okay. So I think that would be my choice right now. Not necessarily for any other reason than it's got an IP that people can jump in on, even if they've never... I mean, most people have seen at least something about it in the you know, in the greater context of things. It's a fantasy game that, like, you get a character. I was pretty happy with how the combats went once we got the, you know, it needs a visual aid. It helps, but also D&D does too, I think, so.
1: Yeah, I think uh, you shouldn't play D&D in Fantasy of the Mind, or uh, Theater of the Mm Mind. I think it, it really sings with maps.
0: I mean, I think it also depends on what characters you pick, what character classes.
1: Almost every class depends on range and availability and targeting and line of sight and it is less of a game if Mm -hmm. you don't use that yeah
0: maybe that's why i like doing it without it
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i mean everyone's got house rules everyone changes rules when they're playing
0: yeah i'm not pushing back i do love also using a map and i will i have a new mini painting kit i'm gonna start painting it like just like maybe the second month of school
1: (laughs) oh like a like a board
0: no, 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 the uh, kit we bought. Oh, oh to, pay,
1: to paint, paint the, the minis. minis. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I thought you also had something else to like oh, paint no, no, no. the terrain or something. Oh, no. I have yeah. the
0: little like terrain stuff to put at the bottom of the mini so it looks nice. Okay, we were way off. Yeah. yeah. We
1: got... uh, did we have dessert yet? Nope,
0: it's my turn. Okay. But no, you Did you answer though? You need your, would you, what system would you run for the youngling? D&D.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's just easy.
0: Yeah. Well, and you just got done running a ton of it for new people.
1: So. Yeah, like, one, I do know it off the top of my head. Yeah. And for all the shit I get for changing rules and shit, like, I do know the rules. That's why I can change them. Yeah. Right? Maybe. Like, its I'm not going to call myself the Picasso of Game Masters. It's been said, but not by me. Definitely. Um, no, no one said not that. Not by me. But um, <laughs> people look at Picasso's art and are like, well, my my three-year-old could draw that. Like,
0: I love... No. He
1: could draw perfectly photorealistic images and chose an art style to work with, right? He broke the rules and did his thing. Yeah.
0: That could also be my hesitation with B&D because I don't have that familiarity with it. Like, I can play it, no problem. Yeah. Maybe not a caster, no problem. It's been a a minute. It's been a minute. I usually play fighters because they're easier. But I don't have that familiarity where I could step into it very easily. I'd have to do a ton of reading and a ton of prep to step in a DMC. I haven't done it literally since, like, early podcast days. I ran a, a home campaign while Stu was still running his first eldemy campaign, which actually, before the actual plays ever started. Oh, yeah. It was way back in the day, and I was very proud of myself. I did fine, but yeah, we have take a lot of raves. Fourth edition too. I haven't actually oh. ever DM'd fifth edition.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, fun note for folks listening in. Pinnacles is going to be back next week, Sunday the 17th, and we are doing a one-shot of D&D with Sarah in the DM seat. Yeah. So, I'm really looking forward to that.
0: Speaking of DD, they'll be amazing. It'll be great. The dessert. To conclude my long email, I will share some advice for any GM running TTRPGs with teens. First of all, be a responsible adult. I mean, yeah. Okay.
1: Wait, what? And set some <laughs> end of end of advice. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and set some firm ground rules to ensure that all the players have a good time. I, for example, disallow character versus character combat. That's yep. a very good call. Yep. And and have a hard line against harming children, the use of torture, also explaining that it doesn't work anyway since people just lie to get out of it anyways, and have some default veils about how detailed combats are described. That's excellent. Yep. Secondly, the rules are guidelines for fun. Fun and the rule of cool is always more important than rules. Thirdly, embrace failures. A critical failure is not something to feel too sad about. It should be embraced and bring laughter and joy to the table. Yes, I know. Not all players feel like that, but my experience is that it can be taught. Yes. It can be taught. Yes. So part uh, agree. Yeah. So begin the game with explaining that dice are fickle and unreliable friends. <laughs> Love that. I want that as a yes. shirt. Dice are fickle and unreliable friends. Yeah,
1: let's add that to the uh Yeah, the I'm store. circling
0: that. Thank you, Tom. They will betray you. And yes, it is part of the fun. So when the players do fail a dice roll, always make an effort to spin it into something that is fun. It is, after all, the character, not the player, who failed.
1: Dice will show up to help you move your couch, yeah, and then pretend to sprain their ankle and eat the pizza that you got for everyone. Yeah, and
0: drink the beer. Yeah,
1: and they'll like show up to take you to the airport, like thirty-five minutes late, and barely get you there on time. Yeah, probably. Pro- maybe. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I got a flat tire. I was so going to be early too, and then like all this stuff happens. My dog ate my phone that had the google direction
1: yeah. yeah oh i want to add one thing before you close out the email okay absolutely children need to learn how to lose yeah right like that's a like teaching thing like we try to put it in there you know by the time they get to high school they are so geared that their gpa is so important that there is no such thing as losing right mm-hmm. i mean it depends on the student obviously everyone works with a different population of students but, like, they have been told that losing is the worst thing that can happen to you. And if your GPA takes a hit, that is bad for you. Like, in, it will affect your college applications. Like, that's real, and I won't pretend it's not. But students need to learn when and where they can lose, and that's okay, and it's fun. Yeah. Right? Like, we're telling a story. You didn't lose the game. Your character fucked up. Yeah. Right? That's fun. Yeah. And you won the game. Because your character fucked
0: up. Well, I'm pointing out in movies how much fun would it be if characters in if movies nothing went wrong. If nothing ever went wrong, like yeah, that's like the whole like we we teach the freaking like building tension, like oh there has to be a failure, you know the hero's journey thing. Yeah, like that's part of it. You root for them because they have those failures, and then they have those wins. Yep. So having that that roller coaster of emotion, and yeah, but they do. They have to be explicitly. Not taught, but that has to be explained to them, because, especially if they've never played a game like this before. Yeah. Because they've never played a game like this before. In video games, for the most part, at least the way most teenagers approach them, it's win or lose. Yeah. Like, you either beat the game or you don't.
1: Yeah. Winning, in this case, is telling a great story.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And, yeah.
0: And then final advice this time around, expect teens to be teens and do wild things. Mm. They are not adults, so do not expect an adult conversation. It can solve problems. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah oh, wow, yeah. Do not be afraid to say no and or taking the time to explain why some actions will derail the game and make it all yeah, less fun for absolutely. all. Absolutely. Again, thanks for making this great show. Best regards. Thomas from Denmark. P.S. This mail was far too long. Sorry. Wrong. PPS.
1: You said PP. Nice.
0: <laughs> PPPS. Skull.
1: Skull. Real quick on that. The oh shit. What was I gonna say? Oh yeah, yeah. The derail. Like it's so important. And I had a situation with my students last year with the middle schoolers mm-hmm. and they like were tr- trying to get to the bottom of something and like something was attacking the coliseum mm-hmm. and they were like, okay, well, I, I attacked the guards. I'm like, the guards aren't attacking you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if you do this, they will start attacking you. <laughs> and that's not gonna be great because it's a small town, and now there's all they have is the coliseum, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Everyone will know who you are. And everyone will hate you. Yeah. Right? And they're like, yeah, I'm going to do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yep. Okay, so if you do this, it is going to completely upset everything that we're going to do today. Mm-hmm. And as a group, they all kind of wanted to do that. Yeah, they and, do. and I was like, okay, I have explained the consequences. Yeah. And we moved on. Yeah. They attacked the guards. Yeah. Well, they and... want to have
0: that action scene. They want to, they've seen it in, movies and it's just
1: there was a monster in the coliseum they could have fought
0: yeah yeah yeah. you
1: know and the guards were running towards that (laughs) and they were gonna like run past the hero and they're like oh yeah we're gonna pick the guard's (laughs) pocket as he runs by i was like physics what no (laughs) it's fine fine. whatever
0: (laughs) i mean at least you're not their physics teacher because then you'd have to be really concerned no (laughs) all right thank you we're only doing two emails tonight because that one was very long yeah it was
1: worth 3 all it best, was, so. Yeah, it was
0: It was great email. Thank you so much, Thomas. We always love your emails. Thank you for joining us for Season 32, Episode 17 of the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. Please support our amazing Indie Designer of the Month, Cesar Capical. And you can find his work at quirky.games. Thank you to our chat mod, James V, and to our amazing Patreons who keep us ad-free and independent. You can join their amazing ranks at happyjacks.org slash Patreon and get the cool new newsletters that I'm... Totally doing and I'm, I'm being reliable about it. I'm very excited about that. My name is Kimmy. I'm Jason. And this week we're going to leave you with a song called Henry, me son. It's by the Poxy Boggards. You can find their Renfair music at poxyboggards.com. Thank you all so much. We'll see you next Sunday.
2: Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Where have you been all day, Henry, me son? Where have you been all day? beloved one i've been out in the meadows i've been out in the meadows make my bed i've a pain in the head and i want to lie down and what did you have to eat henry my son what did you have to eat my beloved one some pies and beans some pies and beans make my bed i've a pain in the head and i want Lie down. And when shall awake he and I wake you up, Henry, son? When shall I wake you up,
1: my beloved
2: one? I would, mother, goodbye, dear mother, make my bed. I've a pain in me head, and I want to lie down. And what will you leave me? Harry, my son, what will you leave your children, my beloved one, a debt to pay on, a debt to pay on, make my bed, I've a pain in me head, and I want to lie down, what will you leave your wife, Harry, my son, what will you leave your wife, my beloved one, a rope, to hang on a rope to hang on take my bed i a pain in me head and i want
0: to lie down this show is a product of the happy jacks rpg network the mary sues performed our intro music and our ending song was played with the express permission of the artist visit happyjacks.org for more
1: information and to find all our streams and podcasts